As you're being seated, I encourage you, invite you to turn in your Bible uh, to Psalm 139. Uh, Psalm 139. Uh, the book of Psalms is in the middle of the Bible, of your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 139 is near the end. Today we, we kind of bring to an end uh, a five-week series when we're thinking about what we would call essential practices or pathways uh, of our faith that help us seek God's help. Um, in, a, in some specific ways. And today we kind of bring an end to that series. Uh, but I want to let you know where we're going um, beyond this series. So next Sunday, a week from today, is Palm Sunday. And that begins Holy Week. Uh, so we'll have our normal Sunday morning services next week, 9 and 11 o'clock. And then on Friday, uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service. This is something we haven't done uh, here at Hope. Typically, we do our Good Friday service on Wednesday night. Um, but this year, we decided to do our Good Friday service on Good Friday. So we will not have Wednesday night ministries uh, in a few weeks. We'll communicate about that. We'll have a Good Friday service. And then Easter Sunday, April 1st, uh, is just a few weeks away. And we have three, a little change to the format, three services, uh, 8, 9.30, and 11, and we're talking even as a staff how we can bribe you uh, to come to the 8 o'clock service. Uh, we're talking about some food to have for you, those who are willing to come a little earlier than normal, and uh, just to free up some seats uh, for visitors on Easter Sunday. Uh, so 8, 9.30, and 11 will be our schedule on Easter Sunday. Um, and we're going to be in the book of Mark on Easter Sunday. We're actually going to be at the end of Mark, Mark chapter 16, uh, but that's going to start our journey through the book of Mark. Uh, so after Easter, we're going to go back to the beginning of Mark, Mark chapter 1, and start going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Mark. Um, and it's going to take us a number of months um, to get through. So that's, that's kind of where we're going uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, but again, today we wrap up, uh, uh, kind of close, so to speak, this series uh, talking about some essential practices of our faith. Um, one set of my grandparents lived uh, just a few doors down from where I grew up. So we spent a lot of time together. And we did the traditional after school milk and cookies with grandma uh, many days after school. And because they were so close, we spent a lot of time together. And I remember I was probably 10, 11 years old, and I was going with my grandfather somewhere, and I noticed uh, on, on the dashboard uh, a light. I, I didn't know at the time, but it was the check engine light was on. And I just, you know, I'm curious, like, what does that light mean? And I just asked him, you know, what is that, what is that telling you? He's like, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> so, all right, whatever. So a number of months go by, and again, driving together somewhere, and the light's still on. I said, what? That light's still on. You know, we talk, what is that? He's like, oh, it's nothing. So anyway, a few months go by, and I notice that the light is still on, but my grandfather had taken a piece, a piece of black electrical tape <laughs> and had put it over the light. And you could still see the orange kind of coming around the edges of the black tape. And I just asked him, I said, does that mean something? And he said, no, it's nothing. The car's fine. It's fine. And I, I believe, my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe till the day they got rid of that car, he still had that piece of black electrical tape covering the check engine light. So to me, growing up, like those lights, like the, what the message I received was those lights don't mean anything. You have to pay attention to them. So fast forward a number of years, and Lori and I and our kids are driving down 224 uh, here in Medina County, and, and the battery light comes on. It wasn't the check engine light, but the battery light comes on on our van. I'm thinking, oh, it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about these things. <laughs> So we're driving down 224, we get another maybe five, six, seven miles after the battery light came on, and the van starts running a little funny. 
And then all of a sudden, it just stops. It just, the engine just cuts out, and we coast off to the side. And I realized an important lesson that day, that those lights do communicate that something's going on in your car. Now, I know sometimes you can run them forever, and the lights on doesn't matter. But in that situation, the battery light coming on was communicating to me, and I was avoiding it or ignoring it, that something's wrong with the battery, with the charging system in our van. And as we think about this series we've been in, we've been thinking about some realities of life. These realities we've described in this way. Things are going wrong. I've been hurt or offended. I'm I'm worried or afraid. The pain of loss won't go away. I need help with a decision. And today, as we kind of wrap up this series and think about this last practice, I want us to think about those realities of life like the warning lights that can come on in our cars that communicate to us there's something going on under the hood that you need to kind of investigate a little bit. They're signs, they're, they're symbols, they're, they're communicating, there's something going on and you should inspect, you should examine, you should look at that. But sometimes when these things happen, when the pain of loss won't go away or life isn't going well or I've been hurt or offended or I need help with a decision, I'm worried or afraid, sometimes when life seems difficult, sometimes like I did and like my grandfather did uh, for months and years, we'd kind of ignore these things. We don't pay attention to them. We don't lift the hood, so to speak, to see or investigate what might be going on. And these realities of life, when life seems difficult, it's not something just to kind of ignore. But like we talked about a few weeks ago, I believe these are invitations to us from God to say, will you look at this as an opportunity or as an invitation to seek my help and pursue me and choose a pathway to pursue me and seek my help? So when life seems difficult, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of lift up the hood, so to speak, of our lives, and we're going to practice this pathway known as self-examination. We're going to look below the surface. You've heard the expression, pricing pictures of icebergs, that, you know, the idea that there's 10%, you see 10% of it above the water, but then there's 90% of it below the water. Sometimes in life, we focus on the stuff people see, the behaviors. What people see, our habits, our behaviors, our practices, what we do up here. But the reality is there's more below the surface that is motivating those practices at the top, so to speak. So today we're kind of going below the surface. We're asking the why questions or what questions, like what's going on? Why won't the pain of loss won't go away? Why, why uh, when life is difficult, what do I do? What pathway do I walk? When I've been hurt or offended, what do I do with these realities? Do I ignore them? Or do I pay attention to them and accept or the invitation to walk the pathway known as self-examination? And I believe this is important, friends, because the reality is sometimes the things that wreck our lives, our lives and relationships, are things that are below the surface. And they come out in many unhealthy ways. So that's why I believe this practice known as self-examination is so vitally important for us as followers of Jesus today. 
So Psalm 139 is where we're going to be. And every week we've, we've talked about a practice. We want to show it in action. We just don't want to talk around it or theory. I want us to see it in action. I want us to see someone living this out in Psalm 139. Um, maybe for some, is a very familiar uh, psalm. It's a psalm that David wrote. It's probably more of a prayer uh, that he prayed, and we have, he, he, we have the uh, privilege, really, to read it and learn from it. And what we see in this psalm, this psalm is uh, such rich with theology of who God is. When I was getting ready for my ordination exam uh, as a pastor, this psalm contained much of who God is, and many of the verses had to be memorized here in Psalm 139, because it is full of theology, who God is. But at the same time, friends, it gets down to a very intimate, personal level. Like, based on who God is, what does David do with that? And that's what theology is meant to do. It's not just to stay in some heady, lofty place, but theology is meant to be very personal. What we think about God is meant to impact what we do and how we pursue God. So David, here in Psalm 139, we have this prayer uh, recorded for us. And I want to read a few of the verses. Psalm 139, verse 1, it says this. It says, O Lord... It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. So David starts out by declaring, God, you have searched me. You you know me. The word searched here, or search, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but the word search literally means to examine with pain and care, to investigate. It describes the imagery behind this word search is the idea of digging deep into a mine, trying to get the jewels or the gold, whatever might be deep, deeply embedded in a mind, that's the idea of searching, digging, going after to unearth what's there, the valuable things that are there. It's also the idea of exploring a land that has never been explored before. It also talks about investigating a legal case, the ins and outs of it and the nuances of it and the details of it, just investigating all of these things. And David says, God, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And what he's going to do next is unpack all the ways, and they're numerous, all the ways that God has searched him, investigated, dug down deep into him, intimately knows him, and then uh, all the ways that God knows who he is. And Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. And Dave wraps this section up by saying, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. What David basically says is, God knows everything about me. He knows everything about me. Let me just list off the ways or the things that God knows about him. God knows when he sits and when he rises. God knows he perceives my thoughts from afar. He knows my going out and my lying down. He's familiar with all my ways. Before word, like right now when I'm talking to you, before word is on my tongue, God knows exactly what I'm going to say before I say it. 
He says, you hem me in behind and before. Basically, David is declaring, God, you know everything about me. Everything. I am vulnerable before you. I can't hide anything from you. My thoughts, my words, where I go, everything is laid bare before you. Now, there's an interesting um, experience or feeling sometimes when, when someone knows you, sometimes our tendency is to, to feel vulnerable, our, our reality is we feel vulnerable, and with that feeling of vulnerability, sometimes we want to move away because we are known. We're wondering once maybe something has been disclosed to someone else or someone has seen us for who we are. They know us. They, they, know our th- they know what we've said. They know who we are. Sometimes our tendency, our feelings is to escape. I'm gonna, I need to move away. That's uncomfortable for me. And I get the sense that as David is declaring, God, you know everything about me, the natural maybe movement is I want to move away from you. And David next, in the next part of this psalm, he goes into, he goes into all that. He says, God is everywhere I go. God is everywhere I go. I can't flee. It says in verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. God, everywhere I go, you are. I can never flee from you. On Friday night, Lori and I were with some friends and our kids before it got too dark. They were outside in, the, in uh, these, these friends, their backyard, playing hide-and-go-seek. And, and so when they came back in, they were all talking and sharing about how I was in this one spot and you didn't see me. You know, I was hiding under the deck and you didn't see me as you went by. You went by me a number of times. And and when we play the game hide and go seek, you can hide from people. But friends, God always wins at hide and go seek. You can't hide. You could try to run. You could try to flee. But David declares honestly, God, you know everything about me. And if I tried to flee to the other side of the sea, you're there. If I try to go to the heights or to the depths, you're there. God is everywhere I go. And then David describes this. He says in verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together 
in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they were outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David declares, God knit me together and determined my days. God knit our personalities together. It's, inter- it's an interesting experience that uh, we all do it in different ways. Maybe you work or college or just maybe you do this on your own, but we take personality assessments, strengths assessments, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, SDI. Uh, I remember in college, we took one that compared your personality to animals. Lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever. It's interesting. It's out there. But it compares like who you are to an animal. And I, I'm a golden retriever on that test. Um, but, uh, um, but there's a sense of we don't, like we're trying to figure out who we are. So we take these assessments to try to figure out what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, who, how am I wired on the inside? But the reality is God doesn't have to take any of those assessments. He already knows because he has literally woven us together. God intimately knows everything about us, how we're wired, where we go, why we do what we do. He knows it all. It's interesting then, David, it it seems a bit out of place, maybe as we read this psalm, but it's purposefully put here. David David then talks about some of the relationships, and I just want to read these real quick, and then we'll get to kind of the crux of what we're talking about today, the end of the psalm. David then says, "If If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them but enemies. So obviously, there's things going on relationally. David, there's enemies that David is not getting along with. There are people who are saying things against God, and David honestly declares what he thinks about them. And So they're probably creating some stress or tension in David's life in this moment. And then David, instead of focusing or focusing all on them, these other people, and what they're probably causing, uh, things they're causing in him, he then says this at the end of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The majority of this psalm, David has taken numerous time and a great amount of time in this psalm to declare, God, you know, you have searched me, you have dug deep into me, and you know me. And he has taken a lot of time to explain how does God know us? He knows who we are. He knows everything about us. He knows where we go. He knows intimate details about how our bodies and our personalities and our appearance, everything is put together. God, you know everything about me. So what does that cause David to pray? It causes David to pray, God, search me and know me. Reveal anything in me. Show me What's going on in here? To put it another way, David David is declaring this. God, God knows everything about me, but I don't know everything about me. God knows everything about us, everything about me, 
He knows. Those things right now that no one else knows about you, he knows. He knows. But the reality is there are things I don't know, know, I don't know about me. When you think about self-awareness, you know, there's usually a spectrum. Some of us are maybe very self-aware. I mean, you can, if someone says, uh, why'd you do that or how are you doing? I mean, you have specific answers. And then there's some maybe that would say when you were asked more self-aware type questions, you're like, I have no idea how to answer it. We have no idea what's going on. But wherever you might be on the self-awareness spectrum, there are things about us that we don't know. But we believe in a God who does. So when we think about things under the hood, so to speak, or these realities, these motives, we get to the point like David where we say, God, you know everything about me. And I don't know everything about me. So I'm coming to you, the one who does know everything about me. And I'm asking you to reveal it to me so that I can live differently. I can walk the pathway that you have laid out for me. It's interesting that David asks or really prays for two things. First, he says, God, search me. And again, it's that idea of digging deep into a mine for valuable resources, extreme care and pain. It's the idea of that exploring land that has been unexplored. It's the idea of investigating a legal case, like the nuances of it, the details of it. And David says, what David is getting to, he says, first search me. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Our hearts. We live from our hearts. Our hearts contain our motives, our desires, our passions, our emotions. And David, in this moment, he says, God, as you search me, would you, would you search me and know my heart? And he's saying, we might say, well, he's saying, God, know my heart. He's not, now, we have to remember, God already knows David's heart. So what David is really praying is, God, show me my heart. Show me. You know it. You are keenly aware of it. Show me my heart. Show me why I do what I do. Show me the motives behind what I do. Show me why I'm avoiding this situation. Show me why maybe I just went off on someone at work or at home. That Man, where did that come from? I don't usually say those types of things. Where did that come from? Why did I lay into a coworker, an employee, my boss? Why did they lay into my spouse or my kids? That, that's, that just, where did that come from? He's saying, God, search me and know my heart. We live from our hearts. It's interesting. This morning, in uh, just some time in the Word, I was reading through some verses out of Mark. And this morning, in Mark chapter 7, um, we won't have these verses up on the screen for us, but here's what, here's what Jesus says about our hearts. We live from our hearts. What comes out of us comes from our hearts. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus says, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of man's hearts, uh, 
come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and make him unclean. This is in the context of some, some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, being upset with Jesus because his disciples didn't wash through, go through the ceremonial washing of their hands before they were eating. They were more concerned about the outward appearance. And Jesus is saying, you got to look within. And sometimes we don't want to look within. It's easier to focus on the outward. But David says, God, you know everything about me. He first prays, God, search my heart. Show me my heart. Show me what's going on below the surface in my heart. That's not only what he prays. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Examine me. Shine your light in and reveal why am I anxious? Any of you anxious this morning? We could be anxious about any number of things. And what, what David is saying is, why? What am I anxious about? Why am I anxious about an upcoming meeting at work? Why am I anxious about a conversation I have to have with a loved one? Why am I anxious about a move? Why am I anxious about a situation at work? And you go on and on. Why? God, test me, reveal to me, examine the, why are these anxious thoughts within me. And then David says, see, in verse, the end, uh, beginning of verse 24, see if there is any offensive way in me. God, have I done anything to offend someone else? Have I done anything to hurt someone else? Have, have things that have come out of my mouth hurt someone? Show me if I've done anything to offend someone. It's interesting that David, right before this, is outlining or talking about all these wicked people. It's interesting that you would think he would point the finger at them and say, God, show them how offensive they are being to me. But David first prays, God, show me if there's any offensive way in me. Instead of pointing the finger at them, he points it at himself and says, God, examine me. Show me. You already know. Reveal what you know. Friends, in this process of allowing God's spirit to examine us, the word of God is essential. We don't throw it out. We don't throw it to the side, so to speak, but the word of God is essential. We need to continue to be in the word. The word reveals more of who we are in ways we're not living the right way or motives or actions. And it's interesting that even in James chapter 1, James chapter 1 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. We all get that picture. We all probably, I would imagine so, sometime this morning, before you came, looked in the mirror. You get that picture. And then, David, and then James says, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, looks intently, studies, examines, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this. Not just, uh, 
once in a while, but there's a rhythm. There's a continualness to this. They, they continue to look into the word, into the law. Not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. As we continually go to the word, the word is a mirror that we look We see ourselves and we say, how am I living the way God would want me to live? The motives and the actions and the behaviors. And it reveals, we allow the word, we don't just read the word, but we allow the word, maybe you've heard this before, to read us and reveal what's going on. It was John Calvin who said this many years ago. He said, It is certain that man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he first looked upon God's face and then descends from contemplating him to scrutinizing himself. John Calvin says, Look at who God is. That's what David does. He contemplates, God, this is who you are. And in light of that, show me who I am. Show me what's going on here. It takes incredible courage and honesty to confront what is and is not true about ourselves. It's easy to not do this. But it takes great courage for us to say, God, search me and know my heart. Show me. Examine my heart. Examine my anxious thoughts. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. We're looking under the hood. To look regularly into the word, just like David. And then it leads us to what David said after. He said, search me. And then he said this, lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. What is the, how does that play into this idea of searching? It's not just enough to have the information. Like once God shows us maybe some attitudes or behaviors or things that are just ways we're living out of unhealthy uh, patterns, those types of things, it's not just enough to have the information, but what David says is once you've shown me, lead me in this way. Lead me in a new way of living. Lead me in the way everlasting, a new way of relating, a new way of thinking. As God would reveal by his spirit and the word of God, we might have to confess some bad decisions. We might have to say to someone, I am sorry for what I did. We might have to lament some losses that he brings to our minds. As we examine, we realize there's pain that just will not go away. What do we do with that? It's that warning light that's coming on saying, this pain is not going away. So we can ignore it, or we can say God has revealed it. And what we're saying, like David, God, lead me in that pathway to lament. As painful as it might be, I know I'll, see, I'll find you and experience you in new ways through this. We might have to ask uh, to be forgiven by someone that is, uh, uh, someone, we must extend forgiveness to someone that has hurt us. We might have to forgive, uh, ask for forgiveness for us based on things we've done. We don't just sit on what God reveals, but David said, lead me. I want to follow you. I don't just want to sit on it. So David prayed, God, search me and lead me. So this morning, in a way, we are putting away these practices, but I hope we wouldn't put them away, but that we would use this last practice known as self-examination so that as these warning lights come on, we take the time, like David did, to say, God, search me. You know everything. 
So search me and know me. That we would have the courage to pay attention to the things going on below the surface of our lives. And like David, we would honestly be able to say, God, you know everything about me, but I don't know everything about me. This is the journey for the rest of our lives. So God, would you search me and would you lead me? Show me in your word, by your spirit, and then lead me to live differently. What I want to do today is I just want to, I want to pray a prayer. It's really reading a prayer uh, over us. I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to make their way to the platform. We'll, they'll lead us in a song. But I want to read this prayer for us. I came across it this week in my study for this message, and I think it communicates what we're talking about today as we wrap up by thinking about this practice known as self-examination. So here's the prayer. Father, during life's testings, you are providing us opportunities to examine our spiritual condition. It's far too easy to make faulty assumptions. When we fail, we often cast blame on others, on circumstances, or sometimes even question your hand in the matter. Lord, would you give us the courage and thoroughness to run the searchlight on our own hearts rather than shining the spotlight on others. We invite the spiritual scrub brush of your holy word to do the needed cleansing and purging. Your love is ever before us and will lead us in the way we should go. It is not by our strength or power, but by walking in your spirit that we cast out wrong attitudes and stop undesirable behavior. Thank you for never giving up on us and for your spirit's conviction in our life. So God, today we think about this practice, this pathway known as self-examination. And I'm thankful, God, today as we do it, you're not a God of condemnation, but you're a God that says, I love you, I know everything about you, and I still love you. I'm thankful that, God, that you have our best at heart. So, God, today, would you give us the courage to ask these questions, pray these prayers, search us, search our hearts, our anxious thoughts, show any offensive ways in us, and give us the courage to be led by you in a new way of living. To follow your good hand and heart. So God, even in a way as we kind of put these practices, we wrap this up today, I pray this, we don't, we never pick these back up. But even for some of us, there might be some pathways we need to stay on beyond this weekend, beyond today. So I pray self-examination, even these questions, this psalm, would be something we think about, questions we ask on a regular basis, daily, weekly, monthly basis. We trust your spirit and your word will lead us in this process. So God, thank you for David and his heart for you and willing to allow you to examine him. So even as we sing, even as we've sat here, Lord, continue to examine us in these moments. And we pray these things, God, in your name. Amen.
não vai